There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher, and we've got a great and unique show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I went to the opening night of Youth Startup Weekend in Phoenix, which was hosted by Cohoots Coworking Space, which is a very cool location, and had the opportunity to speak with four awesome people. Youth Startup Weekend is part of Techstar Global Startup Weekend, and high school students from all over the valley will brainstorm, create, and pitch their most genius ideas. At the end of the event, the teams have the opportunity to present their pitch to industry professionals, get feedback, and support. It was a great experience, and I think you'll come away with it, at least come away from our conversation, with an increased respect for the value of the entrepreneurial spirit. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show, leave us a review, share it with somebody who you think would also like it. And that's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. And helping us move from awareness to action today is Daryl Kidd, a co-founder and startup, high school teacher, and mentor for where we are right now, which is the Cahoots, Cahoots. Foundation. Well, we're in Cahoots Working Space. We're doing work for Cahoots Foundation for Youth Startup Week. Youth Startup Weekend. Awesome. Yeah. Centauri, who is your favorite shark on Shark Tank? I've never watched that show, so I don't have a I don't have a favorite shark. You've never watched the show? Nope. Turns Darryl, out I have not. Daryl, do you watch that? I watch almost no television. Okay. All right. Well, terrible question. Well, George, who is your favorite Swing shark? Swim or miss? I, I don't watch it either. <laughs> so this is like the fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do not Were watch that either. Are you just going on the idea that someone would probably watch well, that show? Well, it's a wildly popular show. Right. At least that was my impression of it. Same with Grey's Anatomy. Do Mark, either of you watch that? No. Okay, there you go. You for sure do. 100% I do. It <laughs> is a great show. Anyway, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Um, the uh, the format of tonight's show, we are at Cahoots for Youth Startup um, Weekend. Startup Week in Phoenix is starting on Monday. So this is a really, really cool event. I don't know how many years it's been going on for, but I don't think that many. So This is, this is a third. A third year. Um, so very cool. Uh, we've got Daryl joining us right now, and we're going to have a handful of people coming through as uh, as the night is progressing. So, um, Daryl, what is it about working with – tell us about the most challenging part about working with young people. Ooh. Getting them to open up, getting them to let down their guard, getting them to accept that they don't know everything, yeah. and getting them to want to learn and be curious. And – why is that? Is that it's just that they're not accustomed to doing it? I'm going to get on a soapbox a little bit here. Please. Um, it's because of the school system. Start, they're, they're told, sit in rows, don't talk. We're going to tell you what to read. We're going to tell you the one way to solve every problem. So they come out of school thinking that the solutions are just going to appear to them. They don't know mm-hmm. to ask questions. They don't know that there's multiple paths to a solution. They don't have – everything's black and white. They have no concept of creativity anymore because it's pretty much been removed from them. You guys remember being in school. I've got a question. Centauri, that's not important right now, or that's not what we're talking about. Mm. That doesn't make the question invalid or any less important. Mm. It could mean that the teacher's afraid because they don't know the answer. They could think that, that you're being disrespectful, which you're not. It's a sincere question. But, but there's an attitude of, I'm in charge. 
versus I'm here to guide you. Got it. So trying to break that conditioning, for lack of a better term. Yes. And I know that we, we were talking a little bit offline before we got started, but there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years about safe spaces. And we were talking about how, yes, a safe space is important, but not for the reasons that I think a lot of people think. You need to create a safe space so that people are comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Absolutely. Is that right? The, the most student growth comes out when they learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Being willing to accept they don't know, know something. The hardest thing for my students to accept is that we celebrate failures. I don't give tests. Everything is performance-based, kind of like the rest of the world after they get out of high school. Right? Mm -hmm. This didn't work. Great. What did you learn? What went wrong? What went right? Mm -hmm. Did you write it all down? Because five or six iterations in, when it still doesn't work, you don't want to start going back and making the same mistakes. But if you find three or four things that worked in different iterations, what if the combination of them is the thing that propels you forward? Hmm. Because despite the fact that everybody thinks that success is a straight line or an asymptotic curve, it's not. It, it's, if you remember Bugs Bunny, it's, it's the map of him trying to get to the Himalayas where he's backtracking on himself 15 times right. and, and going left and going right. <clears throat> so to frame the conversation, why, um, why youth entrepreneurship and then what about it do you think really excites or galvanizes kids to say, I want to you know, start a business or be part of this whole movement. Well, why youth entrepreneurship? We need more people with at least an entrepreneurial mindset. They don't necessarily have to go out and start their own business, mm -hmm. but they have to, if they're going to work for a large corporation, they have to be willing to accept the challenges, understand possible setbacks, have a concept of the financials of it, as well as the people skills, be willing to stand up and talk, and be willing to stand up and say, this isn't right, this isn't working. And not this isn't working, but hopefully nobody will notice. It's not working. We have to stop now. Right. You know, get the idea of an agile product development. Mm -hmm. um, youth entrepreneurship is the best. To see the students come in being nervous and scared and the confidence that they walk out with and the skills that they've gotten, they, they not only learn to publicly speak, they learn self-advocacy beyond their peers. They, don't, they walk in as... People who don't know each other, they're strangers, they're shy, they're afraid of each other. And they walk out. Come Sunday night, you wouldn't know that they didn't grow up together. Mm. I mean, I've got students from prior years who have come to this that they still Snapchat and, and tweet with people they were here for the very first one. And they haven't seen them since. Mm. They, they've learned the concept that to move forward, to, to build anything business or anything else it's not just about me being the smartest person in the room which by the way I never am but about building those relationships and communicating and understanding that no matter what you do in life you're performing a service or a product that somebody else wants because if they don't want it or don't have a need for it they're not going to see a value in it if there's no value in it you won't be doing it for very long right nice I think that the idea of helping a young person is essentially one of the things that's coming out of this is self-management. If you can help somebody to really self-manage, become more resilient, they'll be an asset in any organization, whether it's their own that they've started or if they're working at Intel or whatever. Now, how many people do you see today, something goes wrong at work, whether it's something they caused, they were part of, or they were just impacted by, 
and it ruins the next three weeks of their life. Right. As opposed to, this went wrong, the, the second mentality is this went wrong, and it's your fault. Mm. Or, all right, this isn't going the way it's supposed to. How do we solve the problem and move forward? If it's a, a personnel issue, does a person need to be removed because they're not competent or not, or, or being negligent? Or does a person just need some guidance and training? So you're empathetic. you have to have some empathy towards the, the other people as well as the, the stakeholders and the end user, but towards your own team. It's possible to be harsh with your team in a corrective action out of the heat of the moment, but still be kind and at the end of the day, have them come back and say, I didn't like the way you said that, but I really appreciate that it was said. Mm-hmm. Can you give an anecdote or just talk a little bit about the efficacy or what you've seen having something like a youth startup weekend or just entrepreneurship in schools has done for students in, in classrooms? Do you, do you, you talked about self-confidence in public speaking, but do you see more senses of collaboration or understanding why they're there or what the most important with? thing is the students come back they will stand up and lead their teams with a much better sense of what each person's strength is and their mm. needs are but when they recognize that it's not their place they will back step back mm. and take their place with the troops and let somebody else take the lead for their strength mm. they're, they're not learning to be managers where Okay, this rule has to be followed. We've got to get that, that many widgets out and check this box. They learn that the influence of the way they communicate and carry themselves and collaborate and work with each other and support each other holds a lot more value. And probably, no matter where they are, a lot more long-term growth. Hmm. Yeah. I was just had the opportunity to listen to somebody who had been very, very successful in business for a really long time talking, and he said, you know, you're really going to help people to be successful when you can help them find what their zone is. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a great CEO, but you could be a great whatever. Just to your point, you're not looking for somebody to stand up there, even stand up even when he or she is not the should not not the right person to be leading that that part. So they will be able to step back. And I don't remember who said it, but there's a great quote about it. A great leader doesn't change behavior and performance when he's in the room. He said that change in behavior and performance is when they're not in the room. Hmm. Nice. Can you talk a little bit about, um, so there's so much rhetoric right now and there's so many buzzwords, but the two big ones are problem solving and critical thinking skills, which we've seen that um, a lot of people would argue that the the American public school system today, and I just say education in general, does not teach kids how to think or how to problem solve. They teach kids how to get through things um, as far as a very prescribed method of doing that. So talk a little bit about the how entrepreneurship helps kids see through problems, to think critically, and to actually be the folks that can understand that there are multiple ways to get to those things, and these are the methods and the avenues to do that. Well, the first thing to consider is that how many people actually know what problem solving and critical thinking are? Hmm. I don't know. Very few. Critical thinking isn't sitting there and analyzing data and mm-hmm. and following a process that you check the box, you set the steps. Critical thinking, very simply, is asking better questions. I see this as a problem. It's a problem because that person did something or this doesn't work. Well, why doesn't it work? Instead of it being a problem, good critical thinkers and problem solving solvers see there's something lacking. How do we improve it? How do we make it better? And asking a lot of questions. One of the things my students hear a lot is, how do you eat an elephant? 
one bite at a time. Right. Because you see this giant problem, and it's overwhelming, and you want the quickest solution to get out of it because that's that's comfortable and easy. What if you break this giant problem down into smaller problems, almost a root cause analysis, and you might find that this little problem on the left and this little problem on the right solve half of the problem because it's just a detail that was missed somewhere, something that was overlooked. And getting out of the one-size-fits-all approach to problem solving because it clearly doesn't work. We see it in the world all around us. Solve the problem for the people that are affected by it. And it doesn't matter where you are on a socioeconomic cell. Maserati and Ferrari wouldn't be in business if people didn't desire that product. Mm -hmm. Because if people suddenly decide that the, the seats in a Maserati are uncom uncomfortable, if you spend that much money for a car, guess what car nobody's going to buy? Right. So it, it's, a, it's a matter of breaking it down, finding out what people need. And I'm not saying customize it to a person-by-person -person basis, because that's really um, unsustainable. But if you can get to the 5th and 95th percentile and fill everything in between, then the customizations become smaller and easier to handle. Mm. Hmm. <clears throat> I like it. So finding that secret sauce to help kids figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and, and never give them the answer. Hmm. Um, students come probably to me hard for adults, right? Because we know everything. Yeah, and Stud students will come to me and they'll hold their paper at. Is this right? I don't know. I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> it's it's your project. I, I I don't assign the projects. They they figure out what problem they want to solve. And they'll come. Well, tell me how you think it's going to work. Is this the only solution path you came up with? What others did you consider? Do you think maybe you might want to consider some others? And if so, which ones would you consider? Come back to me and ask me that question again when you've looked at three or four other ways to solve it. Nice. Hmm. Do you have favorite questions that you like to that you find yourself asking a lot? I ask a lot of how might you questions. Explain to me how this might work. Or they get they get stuck in the problem. Well, how might you see somebody using it? How might you mm -hmm. hmm. as a team? Because you're so used to group work where everybody's going to do the same thing at the same time. How might you assign roles to be more productive and actually come up with a stronger minimum viable product? Nice. Excellent. Well, this has been awesome. Um, what else would you like to share? Any, any other thoughts? Just that uh, anybody listening needs to support our youth entrepreneurs. Hmm. Keep in mind, when you get to be my age, they are your future. There are, there are future leaders or a future economy. They are the future of what's going to make this country better and our economy better and have a better understanding of people working together. A lot of, that, a lot of the biases that we see now. Yeah, excellent. Mm -hmm. Gerald Kidd, thank you, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy this weekend. Absolutely. It's awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, we are back. Again, here at Youth Startup Weekend, and joining us is Roman Carrillo, a student at GCC and graduate of Youth Startup Weekend. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Centauri God. is... <laughs> I actually asked Ruben if, Roman, if uh, if you watched Shark Tank, you said years ago, and Centauri said, please don't ask that question again, but I had to go ahead and do it. So anyway, uh, Roman, tell us a little bit about... What motivated you to, to be a part of the program oh, in the first place? Uh, you Startup Weekend, honestly, 
my professor. Um, I didn't want to do it when I first started. I was rather on the shy side. Um, didn't really like going too far out of the comfortable zone. Um, and he recommended that I do it. It's great. Um, I would definitely want to succeed in his class. I liked Daryl Kidd a lot. He was a great professor and mentor. So took his advice to do it. Probably one of the best decisions I made. Um, after it, I kind of started to grow that wanting to move and improve with this whole design thinking entrepreneurial mindset, not to mention everyone here at Cahoots is awesome and well, well, and welcomed me with uh, loving arms and everything. So nice. after I kind of started building connections, I kind of just kind of found a love for it. Now I'm chasing a little bit of that entrepreneur, That's that entrepreneurial awesome, mindset. That's awesome. So um, can you tell us during you startup weekend, because you did it for a couple of years, what were some of the ideas or ventures that you, I'm always curious, like what bubbled up? Like what, okay. what were some of the things that came up? So my first year that I did it, um, we actually went in, I was working with one of the, my classmates that I had with, Quentin. Um, he's one of the alumni. He is off at ASU now doing amazing things with aerospace engineering. Same thing I'm interested in. And he is actually working with prosthetics as well. So we had that whole wanting to do it. So we created a business venture for making, it was a nonprofit actually, now that I think back on it, it was a few years ago, um, making modules for prosthetics that were customizable for each person. So if we wanted, say somebody had was born without an arm, a defect, you could customize that to only have to change it out to where it's almost like a skin on the outside. Huh. So if you wanted to have an Iron Man arm that looked like that, you could. Or if you wanted to have one that represented like a Captain America shield, we could do that as well. So that was our first year's mentor. That's really um, cool. Quentin's idea, I um, ran with it. It was a great idea. <laughs> which, uh, which, which one would you have, Iron Man? Or oh Captain yeah, that's Iron a good Man. question. If I had a, well, if we're talking about right now, I would yeah. definitely go with Black Panther. Okay. Uh, that's like the very topical. Right now. Good job. Yes, I love it. <laughs> what are you looking? You be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Sorry. No, that's sorry, okay. Sorry to sidetrack. All right, in my second year around, we went and did um, something called me and my friend Alyssa. We worked with was Puppy Tales. So that was an app that we wanted to do. Yeah, it was an app that we wanted to do that we were actually ended up taking away from this. And this is where we got the main idea for it. And then we moved on from it and continued working on it on our own on our senior year. Um, but it was a app to basically, a, I want to say a GoFundMe for dogs, basically. We work with different shelters, got a few different stakeholders um, who would be willing to test out the app and try it with us. We never got it pushed to development. Um, we both graduated, started moving on different things. But it was basically you we have a stray dog that wouldn't have funding so say a vet a, um, a shelter takes it in and it has a broken leg they don't have the money or resources to be able to fund that or do that and usually when that happens they're put up for adoption and they get put down within a week or two mm -hmm. right. so what we wanted to do was take those dogs create a gofundme page for each and every one create a personality take pictures videos you know create a little bit of a sob story for each one and then we post live updates and say hey this is we need a the surgery costs five hundred dollars this is the goal for it if you wanted to donate just a dollar you could you get live updates email updates of how the dog would be doing if the surgery went to procedure and we reached that goal um if you did get that you would have priority for adopting the dogs stuff like that if you wanted to actually go ahead and pay for the surgery and get the adoption process ahead we kind of handled that we can't physically do the adoption, but we would push it at that point to theirs. We're just a catalog site. Shelters were, we talked to Maricopa County and they were loved it on board with it. I'm sad we never got to push it to do it maybe sometime in the future. Um, but for now, it's basically been put on hold. That one was a, a fun one that we actually did. That was my favorite. Nice. nice. That's awesome. So when you think about being entrepreneurial, having the entrepreneurial mindset, 
how do you think that that's going to carry into whatever career that you decide if you do decide to open a business or if you're if you're working at in a large aerospace corporation you think that's going to be a benefit 100% even if I whatever I'm doing that entrepreneurial mindset is a tool that I think everybody needs to have um, when we're talking about entrepreneur I want to talk I think of more as being aggressive and being able to take risks because you don't succeed without taking risks you make failures and you might get down you know but to me that whole entrepreneurial mindset encompasses everything that you're kind of taught of taking risks never settle you know failures or lessons learn from everything and that mindset is powerful and today it's obviously nifty worlds we need to be able to work with people you know what job can you say that you work alone solo unless you're working like someone like a stephen hawking who's absolute genius right yeah so being able to to deal with adversity and setbacks and work with people. Um, I see that uh, that you're right now you're interning or I saw somewhere that you're interning with a space program. Yeah, I was in, I interned when I was a senior, most of my senior year um, with Challenger Space Center. Um, huh. Yeah, that was when I went to, I went to Sunrise Mountain High School and they were right across the street from us. So my junior year, I got into talks with a few of them um, with one of the events that we went to, the SciTech Festival that happens down at the... Somewhere in Phoenix, I forget where. Sure. But um, I met with some of the people there, um, got in contact, got an email, emailed them about it, and ended up being able to set up interview and end up getting the internship, which was fun, awesome. I worked with a few projects with them. And then, unfortunately, they actually uh, ended up closing down oh. uh, for now. Yeah. And ironically enough, met Professional Academy, which was where I graduated from, was taking over the building that they had. Oh. So. Small world, so, right? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Daryl talked a little bit about um, just kind of the pluses of youth entrepreneurship. And he talked about, you know, it helps students build confidence. It helps them with public speaking. It helps with self-advocacy. Talk to us a little bit about each of those things oh, yeah. and how it's affected you. Um, major, I would say life-changing um, with the confidence aspect. I could not have come on this and done this two years ago. Uh, I would have been... I mean, I still kind of am, but crossing over my words, I wouldn't have been able to think straight. Me too. Um, yeah. I had a little bit of a... Um, my breakthrough, my first time coming through here is I was really shy going into the presentation. They talked up the five sharks who are the judges who are started multi-million dollar ventures, you know, huge people who are asking you intimidating questions and they put this on. And I kind of had that uh, time of taking a risk where you kind of sometimes got to say, screw it. And I once I turned that corner, I never looked back. I got confidence. Um, I worked with public speaking. We worked on it at Met Professional Academy almost once a week at least. Um, and that has helped me greatly um one of the huge things that I, this event itself has gotten me through is networking as well the whole reason i came back was because of the networking that i was able to do and learn while i was here creating a social media presence i'm able to build connections with the people who worked here the leaders who worked here i ended up getting in contact and now i'm back doing what i can to help mentor and hopefully end up working in this community very cool yes when um Dara was talking about how it's really important in the class to be able to, to give feedback to your fellow students and then but actually also take it and not get defensive or irritated. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, of course. Daryl is definitely um, an interesting guy. He takes a little bit of getting used to on the teacher aspect of it. When you first go through it, you're definitely used to traditional black and white versus his classroom, which everything is in gray. If you can find a better way to do it than he can, he will accept it and praise you for it and probably try and win you money for it. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, he, that's definitely the whole aspect of teaching that he takes to it. And I, I think it's helped me grown. Um, it's the new way that I think everybody should be doing. Um, he will take feedback to 
if he's doing something wrong, he's willing to learn with us. And obviously, you can't have that conversation with them in front of a classroom. But if you take them on one on one to ask and talk, hey, this is what I'm feeling, you know, I'm not learning this way, or I think this could better help some of the students We're on kind of a consensus, he will take that into consideration and say, okay, let's work on this, you know, let's have a class discussion. I mean, we've all had the math teacher who will only accept homework in a certain way. I've had math teachers who, if my paper wasn't folded perfectly down the middle, they marked down points, you know. Mm, right. So. Those people are called jerks. <laughs> yeah. Probably just because they're math teachers, but number 100%. two, because 100%. they're marking me down because I folded the paper wrong. Um, okay, very cool, man. And so you were able to, to become comfortable with that process and approach your teacher and say, hey, I want, you know, I didn't want to call you out in front of everybody, but I want to have a a frank and honest conversation with you offline. Do you think that all the kids in the class or a lot of them also felt empowered to be able to do that? The opportunity is there, um, definitely, but a lot of kids in those classes as well who are learning are learning at the same time as we are. Yeah. So some of them aren't brave enough to take that courage to take that shell. They're used to traditional school to where asking questions and bringing stuff up like that isn't encouraged you're encouraged to sit there raise your hand if you speak and don't speak if you're not spoken to right. versus a classroom sitting to where feedback is welcome and you're able to talk and communicate with peers and your teacher as well so it's definitely a learning curve um i know coming back you get to see people come out of their shell within the first week of joining the program you will see very quiet uh <laughs> nobody really talks to each other versus a month in and you've done every weird icebreaker that you can with kids where you've learned something new <laughs> and then everyone is comfortable oh, and it's yeah you see everyone come out of their shell confidence grows and then that's where the brilliance starts to come out and you see some of the projects that kids come up with that two weeks ago you would have never guessed they had in them that's awesome why do you think that more school programs don't do that hmm. um i think it's just you could ask the same question for any other problem on why change doesn't happen. People don't like change. They're scared of change. Um, they see it as a negative. They see it as the old ways, you know, black and white is good. There's no question for confusion. We're used to an everyday routine versus if something of adversity happens, you know, oh, we don't know what to do. Change is good. The programs that we have do, you see are succeeding and other people still try and fight it. You still have, I mean, one of the main problems that we had I'm not going to call out any names or anything because of the program, but we definitely faced a lot of adversity with the administration. It felt at times that they were honestly against us to where it's like clearance codes. I mean, the people that we were working with, you know, they're scared of change. They don't like the way that we run things. They don't like right. kids being able to walk through hallways and change classrooms. To them, that's chaos. Mm. But to us, you know, that's a workplace. Yeah. So you can see a little bit of the confusion wow. between the two. That's good. Yeah, and it's a relatively new program too, so yeah. So we'll, we'll be patient with the administration <laughs> and the other folks, but that's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. and I guess that's part of the value of the whole entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset that you were talking about when we sat down about mm -hmm. taking risk and challenging the status quo and doing things different. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Got it. Awesome. Excellent. So, what is next for you? You're 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 in your first year, second year of school of college. First year, yeah. First year, okay. second semester. Got it. How has it been so far? Um, a change. Um, it's a change, definitely. Uh, but it's fun. I like college a lot better than I like high school. Um, the freedom. <laughs> so I get goes, to, yeah. yeah, I get to change and be able to choose when I want to do stuff. Um, but I like studying what I'm studying. So aerospace engineering is hard, but I definitely am interested in it. I've had decent professors, too, who have actually interested me, which is different than high school. For having people who actually want to inspire you <laughs> to learn stuff, you know, it's crazy. That's fair. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I'm All right. take jabs. <laughs> awesome. So you are in a 
we have the unique opportunity to have you on the show because you are a, a college student. We, we've not, I don't think we've had anybody that's in college. I don't think so. No, you're first. Years old, so you are our youngest guest. Your your advice as who you are to old people like Satari and I who are listening, you say, you know what? It maybe will be uncomfortable sometimes when young people are challenging the status quo, but do it anyway. Let give them some leeway. What what is your advice there? I mean, it's put me on the spot a little bit. I guess you could say change is good. Um, you kind of see, I guess the best way to put it is be able to look at an analogy kind of, you know, all the change that's happened throughout the time has been good, but at the first time it was met with heavy resistance. And scary. Yeah, and everyone, scary. everyone's scared of change. Sure. Yeah, I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, me learning this, I'm still working on it every day. I'm not perfected. I still, you know, sometimes I look back with regret, like, oh, I should have done that, you know, or oh, I should have just done that and sit through it, you know. But I think everybody does. But the whole purpose is you want to better yourself and better that. So why would you continue to purposely go and do that and through life and still have those regrets when you can start to make a change and say, you know what, next time that comes around, I'm going to take that risk. I want to try and do that. You know, what's worse? I'm going to be in the same position I was after if I didn't even take it. But except now they said no or I failed, you know. Okay, I know next time if something else comes around not to do that this time. That's the whole mindset of everything that everyone needs to learn. It'll come around eventually, hopefully. <laughs> but um, for now, people are afraid of a change, so. Love it. Awesome. Roman Carrillo, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. It's fun. Good work. Good job. Good job. Thank and, and thanks for coming back to, uh, to, to help out with the, uh, with, with, with the students. So I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it as well. Definitely. I learn every year. <laughs> No, since I'm not going to ask Thanks. the Shark Tank thing again. Um, <laughs> welcome back. We are now with Lisa Glenn, the executive director of the Cahoots Foundation, friend of Centauri Minor. And I mentioned that because that may cause our entire audience to hold it against you. Aww, <laughs> no. Most likely. Uh, Centauri said that he watches Grey's Anatomy. Do you watch Grey's Anatomy? Uh, not not anymore. It's still on. Sorry, Satari. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely still on. <laughs> I would watch, like, if I had cable, I would one hundred percent watch. It's so good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we've really really enjoyed the first two guests, so thank you so much for having us. Yeah, this is welcome. A, thank you. What an awesome event with Startup Week next week. Um, this is the third year that Youth Startup Weekend has been going on, and uh, again, Daryl and Roman were were super sharp. Um, what do you get most excited about for this event? Ooh. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it is just a pleasure to get to see students really in their element and get to be creative in a way that school doesn't always bring out. Um, right. I was a teacher, and so I remember those kids that I just thought, there's something in there. You know, there, there's something amazing, but it isn't coming out because you're working on a multiplication worksheet. <laughs> Um, and this really gives students the chance to be creative and to think in ways that they wouldn't, to collaborate in ways that they wouldn't otherwise, and for that student who maybe doesn't shine in the classroom to shine in a really beautiful way. Wow. No kidding. That's uh, something that, that both the, the previous uh, people talked about is just this is an opportunity to pursue the entrepreneurial spirit, which talks about Things like self-management and resiliency and taking risks and being comfortable getting up in front of people and talking. There's so many great things that, that so many great lessons to teach and, and hopefully be learned. So that, that you wouldn't have had if you weren't in an environment like this. Absolutely. I you know, I think our students 
um, really come in and, it, you know, it's funny because they sort of expect to be told what to do. And our answer is always, what do you think you should do? And <laughs> that's not crazy. Something, right. That's not something <laughs> that the average 15 year old gets asked very often, right. probably for good reason sometimes. But, that's a good point. you know, they come in and our goal is to ask them questions to bring out what they are thinking, what their ideas are. Um, and, you know, an amazing classroom should be run that way. Um, but certainly the average student gets up in the morning, their parents tell them exactly what to do until they walk out the door. They are told what to do often throughout the school day. Then they come home, they're told what to do some more. So the chance to just um, come up with their own ideas to really get out of their element and, and think more deeply is a great opportunity. What would you say is, uh, to skeptics that say, you know, 15 or this age is just too young for entrepreneurship or too young to have all these heady, thought-provoking ideas, what would you... Oh, gosh. I would introduce them to a mentor. Her name is Riley Gant. Um, she's actually out there right now. She's 17. She goes to online high school. She started her own nonprofit at age 10, and it's an international nonprofit. So, wow. you know, that's just patently not true. Um, <laughs> we have a number of students out there right now who already have their own businesses, um, who run them very effectively. Does that mean a lot of parental support? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But most things mean a lot of parental support. I was in choir and that meant my parents showed up every other night at the school, right? So it's all about what your kid dreams about and what they want to do. And, you know, these kids are absolutely able to run a business um, and it teaches some amazing skills. I think back to my high school experience, and I wish I had been doing that. Um, so, yeah, I would I would walk them around this room. It, it's very clear that students are absolutely able to do that. Hmm. There's a couple of things that I wanted to circle back on. I, I think that the value of, of a good question is, is priceless. And absolutely. I think that people are probably, I don't know if they just don't have good questions to ask because they haven't thought about it in advance, but... If you have a good question to ask, and then if you're actually able to sit back and listen to the answer, I think that that's mm -hmm. probably as important as asking a good question. So, mm -hmm. And what a wonderful thing to be able to teach kids about how to do that. Absolutely. I, you know, I think the biggest challenge for me as a professional, and certainly in this role, I'm, I'm the only employee at Cahoots Foundation right now, so uh, it is my job to come up with the answers, right? But you don't get to the answer without getting to the right questions. Um, there's a great Einstein quote that says, if I had an hour to come up uh, to figure out the right research, I would spend 55 minutes formulating the question, mm. right? Um, and teaching students to think in that manner. Um, how might we change the world such that we get to this eventuality that we want? Um, how might I take this product and tweak it slightly to do exactly what I want it to do? Um, you know, those are the questions that really get at what we want, right? Um, when I sit down and I think, okay, how might we serve more diverse populations? How might we get more students from various geographic regions? Um, I, I don't just have a board that says we need more students from various geographic regions. And right. then I say, great, how do I do that board? And they tell me, they give me a list. Um, Centauri, have you ever given me a list during nope. board meeting? Yeah. Turns out I have not. Um, <laughs> so it's my job to ask all of mm -hmm. those questions. Um, and I think that's most professionals' jobs, right? Um, but that's not often how we educate students. So teaching them how to really ask the right questions um, 
and and to be comfortable with not knowing any of the answers, um, I think is per- particularly important. Mm. Yeah, that'll cause people to probably not answer, not not ask questions if they don't know the answer, right? So it's it's uncomfortable if they get some answer back that they don't know how to respond to it. Absolutely. Who, who knows? Uh, one thing that Daryl was talking about is the importance of helping to teach kids critical thinking, which is really what you're driving at and talking about, instead of just asking questions where there's a finite answer, like the answer is four or right. blue, whatever, and actually help them learn how to use their use their brains. Right, yeah, there are very few tasks in the world anymore that have a discrete answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent my lunch hour today at Future Forum with Representative Gallego, um, and Representative Swalwell, and they were talking about STEM careers, right? Um, almost no STEM careers are careers in which you have an exact answer. Um, there is no plan for building a program, building code. It's really just a series of critical thinking tasks, right? So if I do X, if I code this particular piece, then this happens, and if I want it to do another thing, how might I change that in order to make it do this other thing? There might be five different ways to do that and five different outcomes and five different consequences. And so students don't just need to think through what do I actually have to do? They have to think through what do I do? If I do it this way, what are the consequences? Am I comfortable with those consequences? Mm -hmm. Would other people be comfortable with those consequences? My users, um, you know, my employer, et cetera. And that's really not what we often experience in a school setting. So this is a great opportunity to go through all of those critical thinking steps. And our mentors are really here to do that, right? They're here to say, okay, you know, you did it this way. If, if you chose to make your logo pink and red, right? What do, what do you think might happen as a result? How are your users going to respond? If they respond in that way, is that what you wanted? Um, if they respond in another way, is that what you wanted? They don't actually get to uh, just say, you know, hey guys, pink and red traditionally clash. Don't do that, right? Right. Um, because we want students to think critically about that. So you talked a little bit. Um, this will tee up my next question, but critical thinking, problem solving. Why did the Cahoots Foundation choose youth? What's the why behind that? Absolutely. So to me, this is the a uh, key demographic to get involved in entrepreneurship. And um, we actually call this sort of division of the program Tap Talent Early. Mm. Um, and we call it that because we actually believe that if you get students involved in entrepreneurship early enough, they're more likely to persist in entrepreneurship. Um, I think about myself, I never had the opportunity to pursue entrepreneurship. My parents were both educators. Um, I went to a high school where it was a traditional high school. There were no, uh, there was a business program, but it was not a, an incredibly successful program. And, you know, I thought I want to do something meaningful in the world. I want to change the world. So I couldn't possibly do that in business. There's no way to do nice things for the world in business. Um, turns out there might be. And so I think, you know, if I had experienced this, my trajectory might've been very different. I might have pursued a social for profit mm. um, instead of pursuing teaching a nonprofit in my career. That's not to say that's a bad thing, but certainly we want to give as many students as possible the opportunity to experience entrepreneurship. And that's not just because we want more entrepreneurs or because we want to create more businesses. 
it's because we want students and our population, our citizenry, to have those critical thinking and collaboration and creativity skills that are so necessary in the world, not just for being an entrepreneur. Okay. No doubt about it. You'll be well served um, in whatever you do if you are competent or have experience with collaboration, critical thinking, Absolutely. and creativity. So, and sometimes it seems like we try to, to scrub clean kids of creativity through our school system. Yeah, well, you know, my dad always says, um, we wanted you to be creative and, and critical thinkers, and it seemed like such a good idea at the time. And he's right. You know, it, it is a pain in the butt, frankly, to have a, a child who's a critical thinker because they're going to come up with things. They're going to call you on things. They're going to question. say they're going to question everything you do. Right. Um, and that's a good thing. That's an extremely good thing because we do want students who are out in the world asking those questions, um, particularly in our political climate right now. We want people who are saying, hey, hold on. Is this really what we want? Let's sit here for a second and mm -hmm. talk about this. Um, and I think that that's one of the best skills that you can give a child. But man, <laughs> you know, once once you have it, it's not going away. Um, so we have to, as a society, be committed to building critical thought and supporting it when we do see it happening. So you talk a little bit about critical thought. And so as a former teacher, um, what advice would you give to um, educators right now or parents to effectively uh, kind of cultivate that, that mindset in their kids. So if their kid can't go through Youth Startup Weekend, what can someone do right now? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm not a parent currently. I hope I will be in the future. Um, but as a teacher, the best thing that I found was to just ask kids why, right? So if they say, here's what I did, you know, I, I built this pyramid just now. Great. Why did you choose that? And continue asking why. Um, a design thinking strategy is to ask five whys. Hmm. Um, five whys is actually really annoying as the person who has to answer um, because it pushes you to five different levels of thinking. Um, so, for example, if I say, um, George, you're wearing a red shirt. Why did you choose that? Because I like red shirts. Why do you like red shirts? Because of Tiger Woods. Oh, uh, what about Tiger Woods makes you think of red shirts? He, wear, he wears, wears them on Sundays when he plays golf. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Tradition. Oh, why Why is that a tradition for him? Because um, he always did it. Right. See, I pushed George. He's getting awkward here. Uh, was, <laughs> to his level of like, to the yeah. break. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were going to say, what does he like about Tiger Woods? And I was going to say, used to be everything. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you ask people um, five whys, it actually pushes you to some pretty core beliefs. So we went from why'd you wear a red shirt to Tiger Woods and what he knew about Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods's actual perhaps family or um, traditional background. Right, right. Right. So this went a lot deeper, and that's a great strategy to use with students. Um, because you will get a lot more information and you'll be shocked at what you hear. Um, you know, if you get a student or a child to answer five times, boy, you're going to get a lot more information out of them than just, eh, I liked it. It was cool. Right. That's great. Five wise. Wow. Okay. Is that Six Sigma? Uh, it is part of Six Sigma. Yes. Effect, right? Yes. Very, very, very cool. 
Well, you guys are, are, you have some really exciting stuff happening. You're expanding into Mesa? We are. We expand into Mesa in fall of 2019. So there will be a second Cahoots co-working location. Um, we are not leaving Central Phoenix. We got a lot of people very scared that we're leaving. We will still have this location. Um, the foundation will operate out of this location, but we will also have programming in Mesa. So we'll have Youth Startup Weekend happening in Mesa next year. That's awesome. And we're That's really so cool. excited to have some Mesa, Mesa Public Schools students participating in this event. Um, and we'll really be publicizing it to Mesa students for the end of 2018 as well. Um, so, yeah, it gives us an opportunity to serve a whole other student group. Um, and we're thrilled to be in Mesa. It is a great innovation district, and we're really excited to be part of that. Yeah, really, really, really good and exciting things happening. Well, I think that anybody who's listening, um, if they did not recognize the value in having kids learn about the entrepreneurial spirit, I think that they certainly understand what that is now. And since I already asked how you would encourage people to do that, uh, but specifically for next year, how do they get involved with this program? Sure. So we will have another event likely in October. We haven't set the date yet. Um, we'll have it out on Eventbrite, Facebook, our website, everything you can possibly be, imagine, uh, carrier pigeons, I'm sure. Um, but also welcome to um, follow up with me. I'm easy to find. I'm Lisa at cahootsfdn.org literally like cahootsfoundation.org. Um, you can find us on every social media there is. We would love to have as many students as possible um, at next event. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. I know you need to get back out there and, and run everything. So. <laughs> Do your job. Thanks so much. Yes, it is time. Awesome. Thank you. Well, welcome back. Joining us now is Larry Cummings, a board member with the Cahoots Foundation. That means he also knows Centauri. So back to this whole thing. But uh, <laughs> do you watch Shark Tank? Uh, I don't enjoy Shark Tank. <laughs> Why don't you like Shark Tank? Uh, because record. the focus is on like whether or not these uh, rich people, you know, uh, deem the idea worth investing in, and the focus I think for especially for uh, startups should be on whether or not the idea can generate its own revenue. Huh. So, so not so much just. Can we get extremely rich off this idea? Well, I mean, that's, actually work. <laughs> why can't the people that came up with it get extremely rich on it? I'm always a little offended by the idea that you have to get investors, especially when you're just starting out. I do enjoy hearing how the uh, uh, contestants, we'll call them, uh, you know, like have already generated revenue. That's one of the things I like about that show. Hmm. But I always like I'm a little sad that they're even on the show. <laughs> Right. So I'm like, That's why fair. do you have to like, you know, like, why this channel? You know, like, there's other ways to get money besides going on TV. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe they want to be famous. Too. I guess. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of the draw. Who knows? Yeah. So speaking of the draw, what is it that made you want to be involved with Cahoots and specifically then on Youth Startup Week? Well, Cahoots, uh, I uh, I joined in the first year, so I'm, uh, what, a seven and a half year member of Cahoots, mm. uh, back when they were on 7th Street in Roosevelt, in the uh, Bayless Shopping Center, the grocery store, which is now, what, Mother something? Mother, Mother Bunch. Bunch. Mother Bunch. I always yes. want to say brunch. Uh, that's and, right. And, uh, and a, a Chiba Hut. Oh, and I did not know the, that. The, the, that used to be uh, our, our home base there. And then... Uh, all the way through to Washington and up to here. So uh, I got uh, started with Cahoots 
uh, because I uh, I had worked for about five or six years on my own as a solopreneur, you know, like contractor guy. Uh, and then I'd gone and taken a job uh, that I, I liked. And then that, you know, like finished. And uh, I didn't want to go back to working out of the house. And so I was talking to some friends of mine about what they were doing. And they were like, oh, well, we've been going down to Cahoots a couple days a week. And I went down there and uh, worked one day. And I walked up to Jenny at the end of the day. And I said, how do I sign up? Because I want to come here every day. And I've been basically in everybody's way ever since. That's so awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, the last uh, foundation started... Uh, I want to say the third year in, we realized, okay, we're going to have a nonprofit, and uh, let's uh, get that going. And Jenny kind of took the lead on that, as she always does. And um, uh, we started doing events, I guess it was about the fourth year. Uh, we did originally Code Day events, uh, which was more programming, and we switched to uh, this uh, sort of entrepreneurial startup focus because... Uh, um, uh, I work with software development teams and, and, and in tech, and I didn't like, uh, personally, the focus on just the software. Hmm. Uh, so I was uh, one of the early advocates for, like, we can't just do code day events. We have to do something that's more in line with our mission and how we work. And one of the things I always enjoyed about Cahoots was that the, uh, uh, the diversity of the entrepreneurialism that goes on here you know, there's some co-working spaces in other parts of the world where it's, oh, this is mostly a coder's place, or this is mostly a maker space, or this is mostly a design space. And this never had that, and, and I think it's one of the reasons it's been so successful. So I didn't want the youth programs to be out of alignment with that. So, hmm. yeah. I appreciate that. So um, we just had Lisa in talking about, about the event, and she mentioned that you have been extremely instrumental in helping put the curriculum together for the mentors and help teaching the kids. So when when you're putting that together, is there something that you're starting with? Like here's Yeah, so I always, uh, I, I really, I started uh, going down this road because I was doing, uh, when my son was in fifth grade, uh, well actually when my son was in third grade at, an, at a, you know, like K through for elementary school, I was like, what are you guys teaching these kids for, like, tech, you know? And it was like how to use PowerPoint, how to use Word. And I'm like, okay, that's important, but that's knowledge, like, document stuff. That's not, like, how tech works. And so I started doing uh, these kind of coding workshops with the elementary school. And then when I got to the middle school, I started doing them there, too. And... Uh, I noticed that um, the biggest problem was the adult perception of what tech is. And, uh, and, and the, That's funny. Yeah, and the biggest problem with these events is actually getting the mentors to uh, um, show the kids, but don't tell the kids how to be entrepreneurs. Because I think it, we all have an innate ability to problem solve. And working as a team is not something that you really get taught in school very well, uh, at least not in, uh, in the context of solving a problem that the market gets to vote on, <laughs> right? you know, and, uh, and so uh, that is a big draw for kids, like, oh, I get to create, this is like an adult activity, you think I can do this? And they're just going to go. So you got to have the kids uh, really leading, and if the uh, adult mentors don't 
sort of latch on to that idea early, they can actually, and I've done this too, you can just get in the way. You can be like, oh, you're doing it wrong, or oh, that's already been done before. And it's like, right. no, that's not what this is about at all. You know, so that was probably the, the biggest aha moment for me creating the sort of, a, I don't know if I'd call it curriculum, but you know, like the approach, it's sort of an anti-curriculum. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a bad term that I used. No, it's all right. It's it's a fair point, though, because teaching people how to run an event like this is something that we're actually thinking a lot about as we look at how to scale it, because it's pretty yeah, sense, accessible. Yeah. And curriculum is a great way to think about it. So, But in terms of, like, it, you know, like, it always inspires in me an idea that it's like, here's a textbook, here are the exercises, and here are maybe some contrived labs. And this is more playing with real ammo, you know? Right. <laughs> this is like... What's your idea? You know, like, here's how you should, you know, like, think about communicating it. And we're going to have this thing at the end of the weekend. And, you know, like, how can I help you do well at that? And let them kind of come to it and tell you what they need help with. And really find a team. You know, because, like, uh, that's another big part of the team. Like, when you learn how to work as a team in, uh, in school, it's like, oh, you're assigned these team members, you know. And in an entrepreneurial setting, now you you kind of like are attracted to working with a team that is doing something you're interested in, and then you find out how you can help and where your particular skills, you know, like fill gaps and where they don't, you know. So, so we've um, and obviously we've talked a lot about the youth and youth serve weekend, but sure. I'm curious, coming from the your side and the mentor side, what do you feel like the the adults in this process are really learning? So it seems like. The idea of letting go, but what do you think the mentors walk away from this weekend with? I believe children are the future. <laughs> it's the Whitney Houston song. It's uh, it's literally like uh, um, we spend our days as adults surrounded by, you know, like uh, these risk mitigating activities, and you know, using our big brains and our you know, like mature, trained experiences to find things that can go wrong. And um, and when you work with a group of kids that is learning how to do it for the first time, and you see how well they do, mm. you come away with a renewed energy for, you know, like, well, if I just have a good idea and I get the right people to help me, then I can do anything. And that's a very powerful thing for... Uh, an adult to be reminded of. <laughs> Retaining the spirit of youth, I think, yeah, is yeah, yeah. such a yeah. powerful thing. Well, entrepreneurialism is naively optimistic by mm -hmm. its nature. You know, like, I mean, you don't survive as a, you know, like, even if you're inside a company working on new ideas, <clears> as, you know, I guess they call it an entrepreneurism. I can't even spell these words, but... Uh, <laughs> no way, no one can. <laughs> but, like, you're working in, like, a very startup-y mindset inside a company, you know you're still doing the same thing that we're teaching these kids to do. You mm -hmm. know? And, and so if you're in that kind of role and you come in and volunteer and you help them bump up against the same problems that you, you, know, like you bump up against and, and just listen to their like, enthusiasm and creativity in solving them, it, it, if you don't get like, you know, a burst of energy from that, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it at work. <laughs> right, yeah. Because it's really fun. Yeah, I can see where that would be very much re-engaging. Yeah. Restoring faith in humanity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. if you're thinking, so I'm and just thinking that loud, for, so for the adults, mostly adults listening to this, how what do you think is one thing that people can do in their everyday lives to be sure. more open to, to risk and being more entrepreneurial? Well, I'm a big uh, fan of, uh, I grew up uh, in a pretty big family, 
and I'm a big fan of keeping the kids very busy. Uh, and so, in, that, in regard to what you can do in your home or in your neighborhood or in your community uh, to kind of like tap into this wonderful activity, uh, you know, this is sort of the lemonade stand, but without knowing if you're going to be selling lemonade when you're done. Mm. So you 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 know, this is not a classwork thing, although many schools in the in the area and certainly nationally have like. A, business innovation kind of context for some of their class, especially in middle school, I've noticed. I'll probably see more in high school, but my son's not in high school yet, so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, literally, like, you know, get a group of kids that don't usually work together. So in your neighborhood, that's usually good because they're not maybe all the same age. They're not all going to the same school, you know, and, uh, and just go, okay, well, we're going to start, you know, we're going to, raise money for a cause or just, you know, give, mm -hmm. give them a big target. Uh, having an endpoint is huge, you know, like in this case, it's a weekend, so you, know, you pitch to a panel of experts, but, um, you know, maybe it's a fundraiser for your uh, neighborhood church or, you know, a car wash for a cause you all agree on or something like that. But you just take the actual activity out and go, what do you guys want to do to solve this problem? And, uh, and then from there, you kind of fall into uh, just the normal startup problem-solving process. So uh, we're big fans of using the uh, business model framework and the value proposition framework. Uh, these are uh, most business uh, training curriculum is uh, geared at uh, about a 12 to 14-year-old reading level. Hmm. Uh, the concepts, you know, like you'll gloss over the idea of budgeting and go, oh, you've got to go to your budget. So you might have to show them that, you know. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like, what's marketing? You know, like, you might have to go into that a little bit more. But the, the core concepts are usually very accessible. Um, and just, you know, see where it takes you. I mean, that's, before I started doing it at the, you know, because my son's school was doing it, I was actually doing things like this in my church. So um, I just didn't know where those were leading me. Right. They were just community activities, you know. <laughs> so, and uh, it did help to have a natural sort of organizer, project manager mindset, which, you know, that's what I do all day. So that was already there. Um, you, um, so you've been involved in many different facets. So if not, although preferred, Youth Startup Weekend, where have you seen some, like, really interesting success from youth happen? It, whether it's building a business or just coming out being much more, you know, confident or mindful or whatever that might look like. I don't think I've seen one uh, up close enough to really compare it to this, because I'm so close to this. Okay. Um, but, uh, gosh, I mean, I've seen a lot of this kind of activity, and uh, I think the first thing I ever saw was, uh, I was in a band in high school, and we used to go to these, uh, these big, long trips for festivals, and we had to raise money. Mm. And uh, there was kids in my uh, high school that didn't need to raise money. Their parents would just write the check for the trip. But that wasn't our family. <laughs> and, uh, and so me and my brother started, you know, just like kind of cooperating in competition with each other on like how we could outdo each other. And it kind of sucked in a bunch of other kids because they were like, wow, you guys are kicking butt. How are you doing it? And, and so we started uh, doing that. So and, and actually, that is uh, one of the reasons I'm such a strong supporter for the arts in, uh, in schools is because um, usually the sort of hard, you know, like core curriculum on like uh, 
you know, the STEM stuff, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, like, oh, we have the curriculum, we know the activities, we're just going to go through it. But when you get into, you know, the arts and sports, you know, you, you, there's an entrepreneurial component to both right. of those. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, a, an area I see this kind of activity evident today when I go to visit other schools, too. It's like, I see the, uh, the focus on the, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, and they're doing their little makers projects and their Lego Mindstorms robots and all that fun stuff. But when I go into the band or the art room, I actually see them like going, if we don't solve this, nobody's going to solve right. it. And, and I, th- I think it's a lot more interesting for that reason. That's really cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I certainly, I'm grateful that you guys have this program and, and we're talking to Lisa, it sounds like it's going to be expanding as Cahoots expands into Mesa, which is exciting. Well, certainly, yeah. Uh, that's a little ways off. Uh, that's not going to open until Feb nine, uh, or not Feb, uh, Fall 19 on the current project. That's a $60 million building they're making uh, out of nothing, basically. Uh, but uh, it's really exciting. We've been asked, I think, since I started here, when are we guys going to open another location? And we were always like, whoa, wait a minute. like, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, but, He's up. Yeah, but I mean, when we bought this building... It was a lot, you know, like easier to kind of stop worrying about whether the lease was going to get like, you know, like bumped up when we come up for renewal or something like that and kind of relax a little bit. And certainly, you know, the, the Cahoots proper is, is running very well, uh, so we can start looking at expanding. And the first time I asked Jenny about that, I was like, when is uh, when are you going to open another location? And she said, well, it makes sense for the community that we're opening it. Uh, and that is a very different answer than I expected and is absolutely the underlying on why Coates is as successful as it is. It's Love so that. local community oriented. Love that. Yeah. And so on the youth programming, we're also looking at it in the same way. So we're definitely looking at uh, um, how can we scale this thing, uh, but in a way that's meaningful for the communities that scale it. You know, like right. it's not just a, it's you know, like a franchise thing. You know, we want it to be connected to the local community, and it's especially important for the focus to stay on, uh, you know, the the underserved and, and minority youth that mm-hmm. just frankly don't get the opportunity. Like my son, like, yo, you know, like, hey, maybe I should go down, and I'm like, dude, you're fine. Yeah. Like, you're at a really good, you know, school, and you know, you have a lot of opportunities, and thank God, you know, we're well off enough to keep those coming. But a lot of these uh, uh, kids in our city are not. That's a big problem, you know. I mean, we talk about investing in education all the time, but, you know, there's a pretty strong correlation between investing in education and, and you know, having organic job and economic development growth mm-hmm. in your city. And this is a part of that, you know. So hopefully, because it's focused on an entrepreneurial activity, there's uh, a little bit more interest in, you know, uh, it going, uh, you know, like uh, in a wider, you know, like a, uh, into a wider distribution, you know. But as the child of a teacher, uh, I'm very interested in, you know, like, okay, well, let's also support the educators themselves. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Larry, we definitely appreciate your time, and I know oh. that you've, you've got your hands full, uh, yeah. making sure that everything's running smoothly. Sure. So thank you so much. Um, I, I know that I speak for Centauri when I say that we've definitely enjoyed talking to all four people here tonight. It was fun. I like that format. It's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What an exciting event. So, well, I can't wait to hear this. Please send me the link and I'll like it and share it. And 
Everybody that's listening should do that too, right? Like, Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Good plug. Good plug. Took the words right out of my mouth. Do, do please subscribe, leave us a review, share us on social media, and as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. There you go. Good Thank job, you, sir. sir.